Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. My name is Carolyn Brooks, and the reading this morning is 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. I must go on boasting. Although there is nothing to be gained, I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who, 14 years ago, was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself, except about my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be telling the truth. But I refrain, so no one will think more of me than what is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. You can have a seat just for a minute here. The question that we have this morning is, will you go there? But let me start with an easier question first as we start. I want to play a scenario uh, that I would like to call, will you there? Okay. Now, here's how this game works. Okay. There is no wrong answer. The only wrong answer is... Do I keep going in and out? Am I bouncing out just a little bit? Let me adjust. Raise like you're going to keep the pack close. Gonna have it forward. All right, let's try that. So, uh, it will be a game that we call Will You Go Here? Now, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you three options of how you could choose a weekend, okay? And I'm gonna ask you to vote by standing, okay? I'm gonna give you the three options, but here's the catch I'm not gonna tell you the details of the trip until after you vote which means you have to commit before you know all the details, okay? But then I will give you a chance to either decline or accept. All right, are we excited? Some of you are wearing masks. Oh, wow, that was audible. All right, yeah, let's do it. Okay, all right, will you go here? Here are your three options. The first one is this. You can go to a workshop for the weekend. The second one is you can go to a sporting event. The third is that you can go to a live performance, okay? These are your three options of how you could spend a weekend. Now, I want you to think over it. There's no time to pray over it. You just have to decide which one of these three am I going to. And then I'm going to tell you about the weekend trip that you're going to have. Okay, are we ready to do this? All right, so if we thought through, are you more of a personal development person? Are you more, I love 
athletic events? Are you more of the arts? You know, I'm talking to you people that love Hamilton, okay? Will everyone who is selecting a weekend of a workshop please stand? For those who are accepting the workshop, here is the description for the weekend. John, that's a surprising vote. Your workshop will take place in the private vineyards of Tuscany, Italy. Mm. This weekend getaway will contain three days of mapping out your year, personal goal setting, and coaching from some of the most renowned voices of the time, including TED Talk speakers, best-selling authors, and well-known artists. Your days will be filled with personal goal setting and long walks along the gentle hills of Tuscany filled with glasses of the finest wine, I mean grape juice, grape juice. If you would accept this offer, would you remain standing? Wonderful. Most of you kept it. You can have a seat. Thank you for participating. Option number two, if you are going to select the sporting event, would you please stand? Okay, we have some sport fans in the room. Here is your offer. Your sporting event will take place in Inglewood, California to experience an all-access pass to Super Bowl 56. This weekend getaway contains a weekend of buffets, around-the-scene tours, time with players and coaches, a private tailgate party, and opportunity to watch two teams battle it out for the title of all titles. If you will accept this offer, I see you, Georgine, if you accept this offer, will you remain standing? Absolutely. Okay, you can be seated as well. Our final group, which by the way, if you haven't stood, that means you are in this group, just to keep it there. Our final group, if you would come to a live performance, would you please stand? Excellent, excellent. Here is your offer. Your performance will be a one-of-a-kind experience. Wait for it. Ooh, in Sydney, Australia. This ticketed event will happen at the famous Sydney Opera House and Performing Center. This will take place in the springtime, sun, beautiful weather. This will include breathtaking views, famous cuisine, I know that's your thing, Noah, and weekends of vendors. The highlight show in which you will get a free ticket to attend is one that is hosted by the Sydney Dance Company, and it will be called Nude Live. This performance will be highly physical and highly emotional. It will have charged choreography with partially clothed performers interpreting and recreating famous paintings, sculptures, photographs, works from different ages. If you will accept this offer, will you please keep standing? Ted Neal. Brother Neal. All right, take note. These are the people you do not want to travel with. Thank you for participating. That example backfired. 
Strand family, you were not supposed to keep standing. <laughs> My note says, how am I not shocked that none of you would go? <laughs> what do you do when the sermon illustration has been destroyed? I would like for you to know that the first two events were slightly hypothetical, but the third one was not. In 2017, this event did occur. Now, one of the details that in the New York Times they highlighted when this event happened is they said there was something in the fine print that should have been in bold print, which may change some of your answers. Here's what the ticket said. Audience members above the age of 18 and clothed audience members will not be admitted. Does that change the game for you a little bit? Abs Ted Neal said, I would like to withdraw now. When this event was hosted, the Sydney Performing Arts Center thought that many people would show up. Many people bought tickets for this event. But when the rubber met the road, very few people actually showed up the event. Why go to the first two but balk the third? Because the third event asks something from you. That actually be something vulnerable, uncomfortable, other than it just being ill-suited, excuse the pun, but you would find it extremely uncomfortable. Now, for a few of you, you're sitting in church and wondering, could you have not found a better sermon illustration this week than that story? And I want to talk to you about that instinct. Because isn't it funny that some of you flinch at a story of a live performance with naked people. But you don't flinch at how the Bible starts with a couple of naked people before God and each other. It was Andy Crouch who once said, isn't it peculiar about humans and nakedness that out of all creatures in the world, humans are the only ones who get to choose nakedness? That any other creature in the world, by the time they mature, they have scales or fur or hide that's necessary in life. Only humans have the option to choose a vulnerability. When the Bible reaches to tell a story of God, it first starts with people having nothing to hide before God and each other. Other. The question this morning is, if that is God's ideal, then how do we choose a posture of being real with each other? Over the past couple of weeks, we've been covering in a series called Here's How. This is our third week, and we have basically just been saying, what are some choices that we can make? that can help us be people who live love. We've said our mission as a church is to live love. And the hard thing about living love is that it's not a destination that we're trying to get to. It's a way of being that we're trying to get to. And when it comes to that way of being, it takes us being with Jesus in some unique ways to live out that love. And today we're sharing the third core practice or core behavior of sharing life with Jesus. Now, in order to be able to get what God envisions for your life, 
we need to go to the vision that Paul has in 2 Corinthians. I want to encourage you, if you haven't had the chance, to go ahead and open your Bible. If you've never gone to 2 Corinthians, if you just turn to the last third of your Bible, you'll see that it's right after 1 Corinthians. And we'll be in chapter 10, or chapter 12. And what was just read to us, which was so beautifully just read to us. I mean, I feel like we shouldn't even have a sermon this morning. That should have been just it. What was just read before us is not a man by the name of Paul trying to post something about his life or say something about his life. Paul is defending his life. That at this point in this letter, Paul is talking to a group of believers. The believers on the other side are questioning if he's the real deal. They're wondering if he's the cat's meow. They're wondering if he's all that in a bag of chips. You get the point. They want to know what most of us want to know in social settings. What is your experience, Paul? Because in Paul's day, you could identify a spiritual person by if they had spiritual experiences in their life. This is how people measured if someone was genuine. And Paul, when he responds in this letter, responds like something that you would see in like a sitcom. Okay, if you've ever watched a sitcom before where someone has said like somebody, you know, say hypothetically, if like X happened, what would you do? Or if someone said, you know, I have this friend when really they are the friend that they're talking about. This is the way that Paul responds. If you notice in verse 1, Paul goes, I must go on boasting. Although there's nothing to be gained from it, I will go on to talk to you about visions and revelations from the Lord. Translation, I will talk to you about spiritual experiences. And then verse 2, he said, I know a man who for 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. What the third heaven? That's a great question. Everyone's been asking what the third heaven is. Basically, he's saying, I was caught up in this amazing, inexpressible vision. Now, Paul talks about it like it's this event outside of itself. But then notice in verse 5, he says, I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself. And then verse 6, he says, even if I choose to boast, I would not be a fool because I would be speaking the truth. What Paul responds back with is saying, I have had spiritual experiences. And there is something meaningful in spiritual experiences. But you do not have to have a meaningful relationship with Jesus and having spiritual experiences. As a matter of fact, Paul says, if we want to talk about my relationship with God, we need to talk about my weaknesses. Because why would Paul say, I have nothing to boast about except my weakness? In verse 5 he says, but I will not boast in myself except in my weakness. Why? Because Paul has met God there in his witness. 
that it's in the painful and the uncomfortable and the and in the moments of limitation that Paul has encountered God. In Paul's language, it's the thorny things of life where God is experienced. And notice how Paul talks about his weakness. Paul does not go looking for it. He does not try to defend it. As a matter of fact, he prays three times for whatever this thorn is to be out of his life. But with this thorn staying in his life, Paul does not hide it nor avoid it because it's the place where God's grace whispers to him. You know, it's interesting that if you were to look back in the times of the Bible, when Paul was talking about this, one of the most powerful people of the day would have been Roman generals. Roman generals had the ability to be able to call whatever situation they wanted. They held lives in their hands, and they would constantly conquer new territory. But historians would tell you there's something interesting that would happen with any massive moment of a Roman general. Anytime that they conquered a city, one of the first things they would do is they would parade around the city to let everyone know who is in charge. But as a Roman general would parade around the city, historians would actually tell us that there would be a servant with them in the parade. And as the general would be waving across the crowd, the servant would stand behind the general and he would whisper to them, You are mortal too. That in the greatest moment of strength, Roman generals would be reminded of their weakness. What Paul says in this moment is that as humans, we have thorns in our flesh. These things that are limitations, these things that are weaknesses, these things that feel like suffering, these things that will not be removed. And they whisper to us our mortality. They whisper to us how we are human. It's fascinating if you look at that word for thorn. People have gone back and forth to mean, is that word thorn, is it more like splinter or is it more like tent peg? And here's the thing, it doesn't matter which one it is because if you've ever felt suffering in your life, you know that the smallest splinters that remind you every day that add pain to your life nor the big wounding moments that feel like a peg to the heart. All are the same. You know what whispers to you in your life with your weaknesses or your limitations or your hurts? Is it the moment where you find out that the kids have to go back to rehab? Is it the moment when that habit or addiction that you thought was over resurfaces? Was it when you lost your temper again with the family for the umpteenth time? Is it the ailment that you grapple with all of your life? All of those moments whisper to us our weakness as humans. But Paul reminds us through his experience that in those hardest moments of life that God does not remove, God's grace can whisper to you. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says, what I've heard from God is, 
My grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. When hard things happen to us, sometimes our instinct is to think, where is God? But when really hard things happen to us, Paul reminds us that God can be found in a unique way. Some of us would never say this out loud, but I think we honestly operate like strengths in our life is what God smiles at, and then God either puts up with or ignores our weaknesses. It's almost like our hearts are magnets. In our weakest points of life, we think it actually repels us from God's grace. When actually God's grace moves towards, is magnetic towards your weakest points in your life. Because God can be experienced in a unique way. Not in just powerful moments, but in powerless moments. Why? Because when you and I are genuine, we lean on God's power, not our own power. Christians have confessed this for the longest time. Think about the cross. It is the sign of one of God's most powerful moments. But how does it come about? It comes about through Jesus opening Himself up to weakness. And in the midst of Jesus taking on that weakness, God's power is seen most powerfully because Jesus dies and is raised again by God's power. And don't miss this, church. How is God's power revealed through Jesus? On the cross as He hangs naked. That Jesus hangs in front of the world vulnerable. When Jesus wants to display God's power to the world, He is vulnerable before the world and its weaknesses. Another way, because God has worked through Jesus opening up to our weaknesses, God can work through our weaknesses as well. When we are transparent, when we are honest, when we are vulnerable, we do it to genuinely experience God and for other people to genuinely experience God as well. Because it is a sign of God's power sustaining you. Not you sustaining yourself. It's interesting that one of the most well-known sign systems that we have in the world has actually been the nautical sign system. That throughout history, one of the ways to be able to communicate and indicate before we even had radios was how boats would communicate back and forth to each other. If you look at the system, it's extremely intricate. There is a flag or a sign or a signal for every letter of the alphabet. And if you add signs or signals together, they will actually display combinations or make certain statements. You can combine two or three flags together and you can say things like, it's a tough win today, or my radio is out. That these are signals or ways People have communicated back and forth. Used to, when you used to go on a boat, you never went on a boat without the ability to be able to signal. Can I make the parallel that life with Jesus is very much the equivalent? You do not go navigating life without the signs of being 
genuine. That we as Jesus followers have to indicate, signal, sign where we are in the world. Because when we open ourselves up to being genuine, we open ourselves up to God's power in the midst of our powerlessness. Now, being a genuine person, let me hear you. For those of you who have walked through some life, I want you to hear me very clearly. Being a genuine person does not mean you are an oversharer. That's not what being a genuine person is about. Being a genuine person is about sharing in the places that you need to share. Here's a really great example. I'm not asking you to dump your life in front of the HEB cashier that's checking you out. Okay? She doesn't need to know that you're in financial trouble. But here's the thing. If your friends at dinner ask you how things are going, and you say they're fine, that's not being genuine. Genuine people are honest, they're transparent, they're vulnerable. They don't apologize for their personalities. They don't settle with answers that say, I'm fine. And they volunteer information for the sake of intimacy with people. Can I finish today by giving you three practical ways to be genuine with people around you? Here's the first example. Share the why, not just the how. How often do you explain the why to the question, how are you doing? I remember I had a mentor at one point in my life ask me if I wanted to follow Jesus more deeply, and I said, <laughs> of course I do. And he said, then stop just saying you're angry or upset. He said, if you get deeper with Jesus, you've got to move past the primary surface level of just saying, I'm angry or upset, and you need to get to the why behind it. Anger or being upset is a secondary emotion. There's always an emotion behind it that drives it. So what if this week, if someone asked you, how are you doing? You didn't just say, oh, I'm tired. Or you didn't just say, oh, I'm busy or I'm fine. But you actually said the why behind how you're doing. I'm busy can translate to, I'm worried if the business is going to make it or not. Okay, That's the type of depth that we're talking about. Explain the why behind that. Here's number two. Acknowledge an insecurity to someone that you want to impress. Okay, some of you just read that and you go, I'll go number one. Thank you very much. <laughs> we walk through life. There are always people. There are always people that we usually want to be able to have a heightened image towards. What if this week, instead of that person that you long to impress, what if instead of trying to give them a fact about you or to convince them that you've got this or you've got it handled, what if instead you admitted a way that you want to impress them? I know some of you are no longer making eye contact with me. You're just like, mm -mm, I'm not doing it. Imagine what it would open yourself up to. And here's what I would tell you. If you did this truly with someone, truly with someone that you were impressed with, and you want to impress them, you may just hear God's grace whispered over your life. That's number two. And then here's the final one. Ask 
to pray with or for someone. Okay, have you ever noticed that prayer is just awkward? Like, have you ever just noticed that, like, sometimes it's just really awkward to be like, you know, brother so-and-so, can I pray for you? The reason it's awkward is because prayer is intimate. The reason that it's weird is because when you pray for someone or someone prays over you, you are both admitting where you are in life and you are confessing that you need someone outside of yourself to be able to intervene, to enter into life, to comfort you. It's hard to ask for prayer. Sometimes it's hard to ask someone if you can pray over them. But it is a way of being genuine because we let people know where we're at by telling God in prayer where we are at. If you'll notice with all three of these, the fascinating fact is to be genuine means that you have to do it with other people. And the reason for that is, is because you need to be able to physically feel and visibly see the invisible work of God in your life. And it'd be great to just be genuine by yourself. Trust me, I've tried several times as an introvert. But to really experience it, we have to be willing to be genuine with each other. Sharing life with God, church, does not mean you have to be an overshare, but it does mean you have to share. It does mean you have to go there. You have to go there with God you have to go there with other people and you have to let other people go there with you. So I'm going to finish by giving you an opportunity to literally do what this sermon is asking you to do. I'm going to give you a moment to be genuine. To practice being genuine with your body amongst this body of believers. In a moment, I'm going to read some prompts of a description of where someone could be at this week. And when I read this prompt, if it resonates with you or describes where you are in life, I want to invite you to just stand up as a way of saying, that's where I'm at this week. And I will tell you, I am tempted to say this next phrase, if you are comfortable, but to be genuine does not always mean it's comfortable. So I'm going to read a phrase. And if it resonates with you, I invite you to stand as just a way of saying, I'm being genuine today, and that's where I'm coming from. And if you're thinking in the back of your head right now, that's good for others. I'm not going to do something like that. I just want to remind you that when we come to church, we are already confessing that we do not have it together. I don't have it together. You don't have it together. We are here before God because we don't have things together. Maybe some of us need to hear the whisper of God's grace today. So here's the first one. If you find yourself tired from the week that you just had, would you mind standing this morning? Church, God's grace is made perfect in power.
that God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Thank you. This morning, if you said words this week that you wish you could take back, would you mind standing this morning? Church, God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Thank you. If you're here this morning and you are currently wrestling with a decision or a commitment that you still don't know the answer to, would you mind standing this morning? Church, God's power is made perfect in your, His weakness, in your weakness. Maybe you see it. If you found yourself feeling like you were out of touch with God or you have doubts about God, would you mind just standing this morning? Church, God's power is made perfect in your weakness. And one more. You may be seated. If after the week you just had, you need to ask someone for forgiveness because of what you did this week, would you mind being genuine this morning and standing up? Church, God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Church, may you know that because of the life of Jesus, you are fully seen and you are still fully known. That in being fully known, you are still fully loved because Jesus was upon a cross fully vulnerable and was still accepted and seen by God. I hope that if you didn't go there this morning, or maybe none of those resonated with you, I hope you go there with someone this week. I hope that you be genuine and go there with someone because when we are genuine, we have the opportunity to genuinely experience God. I want to go ahead and invite Danny up. And today, if you stood or if you are wrestling with something or you are just working your way through life, I want to invite you today. There's going to be a couple elders that are going to be standing up at the top. Uh, let's see, John and Ted are also going to be doing If y'all don't mind just moving up, that way people know who you are. They're going to be standing at the steps after service today. And I'd invite you, some of you could knock out the third point right here to just ask one of them to pray for you today. Church, I hope you go there because when we are genuine with each other, we can genuinely be signs of God's power in our weakness.